the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, sometimes, sometimes we on the Pro-America Report are so far ahead uh, that it feels like we're behind. I don't even know what that means, but we're so far ahead on issues. And one of them is the question of uh, illegal immigration, or better said, uh, our open border. Forget about the illegal or legal. That's one of the tricks that the Biden administration is trying to trap us in because they say things like, oh, we have no problem with uh, illegal immigration, but the legal immigration system has just gone bonkers, right? Completely bonkers. So, uh, but we've been talking about this for what, two years? Probably four years, five years. But we've certainly, since Joe Biden got in office, we have had our man, Todd Benzman, highlighting the two factors that are at the center of what is the growing realization that the country is under a, a attack, assault, invasion. And the two aspects of that are, one, we don't know who's coming in. It's just wide open. And two, inside the massive group of who knows whom, we have come to the realization there's either confirmed or likely, and not confirmed specifically, people we don't want here. Terrorists, watch list, uh, people from countries where it doesn't seem like they're sending, uh, you know, uh, just uh, refugees or anything. I think they're sending invaders. So that's what's happening. And Todd Benzman, so welcome, welcome, Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I encourage you to go and wherever you look at the Pro-America Report, if you look at it at uh, SoundCloud, if you look at it at Apple uh, uh, Podcasts, wherever you look at the uh, where the uh, the Pro America report, and you may actually listen to it live. Whatever wherever you're getting the Pro America report, feel for. I'm not sure what the beeping is, but probably somebody objecting to my uh, to my comments. But wherever you're getting the Pro America report, do a search. Do a search for Todd Benzman, Todd Benzman, and the uh, Pro America report, and you'll see. I don't know dozens. It's probably not dozens yet, but it's over a dozen twenty. 20 appearances on the Pro-America Report by Todd Benzman, the senior national security fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies, a uh, well-known investigative journalist, reporter, researcher, however you want to do it. He's in Europe right now. He's been going across the uh, Eastern Europe, especially. He was in Poland a few days ago, and he was looking at the borders, talking about the problem of the borders. They have a problem in Europe. And in some nations in Europe, they're ahead of us in terms of unfettered immigration 
uncontrolled immigration, which has is transforming the lives and, and the communities in places like France, Paris especially, but Marseille, Marseille, other cities especially is where. So here's what we now know. We now know that our border is so wide open that we don't know who's coming. And yet we also know that some of who's coming, can't tell how many, can't tell exactly, are people that aren't good to be here, aren't uh, helpful to be here. And more and more and more Americans are just sick of this. They are saying, look, we're not bigots because we don't want an open border. We're not bigoted because we don't want uncontrolled migration into our country. And, you know, the, the, the one of the guys that's uh, gotten a big following, and I, I, I've talked about it before, Scott Adams, the uh, old uh, Dilbert uh, cartoonist who also has a following for his kind of self-help books. He's a really interesting man, a very interesting man, really. Uh, m- many aspects of what he says is just really intriguing. But he had a tweet that basically described, he said, if, if someone objects to uh, to saying, hey, we want to stop this onslaught, open, unfettered open border isn't working, just ask them, can you give me an example of a place, a nation, a community that allowed unfettered, uncontrolled immigration, and including people who don't believe in what you believe in, and that it played out well? That was his example. By the way, I'm holding up in my hand. Uh, again, it's uh, Bombardier, Bombardier Press, uh, Division of Post Hill. The book is Overrun, uh, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. Todd Benzman was writing that book for uh, for a couple of uh, years, and it came out I about a year ago now, perfectly timed in the sense that he was ahead of the curve. Yeah, it came out uh, in early in 2023. So, but back to that point. If you don't control who's coming in, you can't say you have a nation. Let me say that again. If you don't control who's coming in, I'm not making an argument that the people that are coming in are good or bad. I'm saying if you don't control who's coming in, you don't have a nation. You can't pretend you have a nation if you don't control who's coming in. And therefore, what you should do is control who's coming in, then make a judgment. My judgment, by the way, is pause completely. Complete pause. That's my judgment. That's not everybody else's judgment. Other people say we should have this, that, and the other thing. If you talk to tech people, they want to argue for tech engineers and all. I'm not for any of that. I, I, I'm, I'm for less, dramatically less number of immigrants, refugees, migrants, or whatever. But I certainly agree with everybody from the Democrat-elected mayor of New York City. Now we have the Arizona Democrat governor who said she's going to send uh, uh, state uh, guard troops to the border because she says it's out of control. All these different groups and people and citizens are saying, you know what, we cannot tolerate this. Now, here's the problem. Even as the uh, polling gets worse, even as the realization by the Biden administration that the, that the polling numbers are, are massively bad for him, and a driver in that is this open border, they don't change. You know what they changed? They changed the messaging. They changed the uh, the way they talk about it. They try to change the way they talk about it. They attack Donald Trump, and they say Donald Trump is this and that. But they mostly change the way you, what you the way they define the way the words are uh, defining what's happening on the border. And they say, well, you know, we've got this problem. They don't. They don't identify. They won't. They won't concede 
the point, and they don't change. That's the biggest thing. Even Democrat Governor Katie Hobbs, well, I don't know if she believes it. Maybe she's just doing the things she has to politically. In other words, announce that you're going to send the state guard down there so that you can get out from under the uh, the criticisms, but nothing nothing's going to change because the state guard is not going to solve the problem. It's not sufficient. State guard's going to be a helpful factor. State guard's going to be a a, a significant uh, could be could be. Let me say it that way could be a significant factor in changing what's going on. But maybe she knows she's not going to do it. I mean, maybe she maybe the point of what she's doing is to say, I'll do something that lets me tell people that I'm doing something, but I'm really not. That could be what she's doing. That could be what she's doing uh, and, and, and how and how she's uh, perceiving uh, the problem or the political because the Biden administration just changes the words. They don't change the conduct at the border. They will not change the conduct at the border. Amazingly, it's a, it's a stunning thing to me. They're not willing to change. And now they're fighting up in the in the Congress. Thankfully, some of the Republicans have tied any uh, aid passage regarding uh, Ukraine, especially to getting something done on the border. But I don't really trust them. I don't really trust that they're going to be able to get meaningful things done. And sometimes I think they're just going to get rolled. The most common thing in Washington is is uh, is that the politicians come up with something that they can go back and say, hey, look what we did. We, you know, we we have accountability. We we were sending billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine. Now we have accountability. We're going to have transparency, and and we got some concessions on the border. And none of them are actually real in terms of changing what's going on. And therefore, they're not changing anything that's going on. And they're, and they're just a, a way for the politicians to be able to say they've done something, to be able to uh, to you know to to look for a political way to spin that. Uh, that's that's my worry. And I think that's the biggest, you know, it doesn't look like there's a gang of eight. Remember, there was a gang of eight a few years ago or a gang of six, maybe that were trying to come up with a, a an amnesty deal. And that doesn't look like that's at all likely, including, you know, Lindsey Graham, who used to uh, try to be the one of the guys who wanted the uh, amnesty deal. He's against uh, almost all of the border proposals so far. So but back to this, if you don't have a border and you don't control who's coming in, you don't have a nation. And, and we shouldn't shy away from that now. This is not about disliking or liking people who are here. You can still say a system that allows people to come to this country and not have any idea who they are, where they're coming from, what they're here for, what they believe in. That's not a nation. That's not to say I disagree with them or dislike them. As I've said before, I've been to places where the immigrant community is more vibrantly Christian more in, in this country, in America, I've been to communities in America, I've been to churches and sa- said to myself, wow, that Vietnamese immigrant community, they are vibrant, pro-family, pro-life, pro-church. I've been to Hispanic uh, communities and you go to a Hispanic church and, and you see, a, you know, there'll be a Spanish service and it's full of people, families, and young people. Th- these values are great values. And they're values, by the way, that Americans should want. But the question is, do we have a nation that decides how many people come, where they come, what they're coming to do, how we can afford it, what it looks like? It's not conspiracy fears fears to say that an open border is an invasion. It's not. And that's what Joe Biden has been doing. And Todd Benson was right. We were all right. And we've got to stop it. All right. We've got to take a break, though, right now. We're up against the break. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report and uh, continuing our conversation and trying to uh, understand and uh, and cut through a lot of the uh, nonsense on what's happening over in Israel and what Hamas is actually doing. Uh, and our next guest is a uh, the CEO of a company. He's a filmmaker. He's an actor. His name is Elon Shulovich, and he is um, particularly uh, insightful in my estimation. I've seen him uh, with Tucker Carlson. Um, and he's uh, active on what's happening in Israel and cutting through, just like I said, through uh, what is um, uh, what is happening, what's going on and why Americans should care and should be paying attention. So, sir, welcome. First of all, uh, welcome to the program. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I really so, appreciate it. No, it's great. So and I know you've like I said, you've been an actor, you're a businessman, all kinds of things. But uh, what's first, let me ask you about the um, um, how do you talk to us about the way things are covered, the way the media uh, tries to cover things, the it's easy. It's a little glib. It's I sound like a high school or a college kid, like, you know, moral equivalence. They try to make one thing look like the other, you know, uh, uh, an accidental shooting look like, uh, you know, a, a, a terrorist uh, a ravaging. Right. So mm-hmm. but but it's but it's but it's potent. Yeah. Well, so this this goes back way before this October 7th massacre. Yep. Uh, The the way they've used headlines, they've been using the term militant for years. I mean, you go back to the the, what they called the Janine massacre, where they claimed bodies were piling up and it turned out to be a complete lie. Right. Uh, Right. They've historically done this. I don't know if you remember the Turkey uh, flotilla to Gaza, which, you know, inflate inflamed things in the region entirely. But they were literally cropping photos, the news. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they've been caught. Reuters has been caught editing photos. They've had to fire people, the top news organizations in the world. Uh, And we even learned in this situation that they have, you know, journalists embedded with Hamas, these different news organizations, which is just so troubling to see. But there's an, an extreme bias an extreme, extreme bias in the region when it comes to reporting. But what is it? What is the what What underlies it? You, usually you can look at something and you can say, I mean, is it just plain old hate? I mean, usually you can look at it and say, oh, there's the money that's driving this. There's the uh, there's the, um, you know, the uh, media spin, you know, I don't you know, or the uh, when it comes to Hollywood, where you have uh, thrived as a, an actress. I mean, you you know, it's it's all sorts of commercialization, sexualization, whatever you want to do. What is it that gets you to this point where when it comes to Israel, is it just good old fashioned bigotry? I think it's a combination of many things. I do think there's an underlying anti-Semitism, sadly, in the world, especially it's much stronger in the Middle East and Europe. It's tremendous in the Middle East. It's tremendous in Europe. We're seeing that. But it's even seething here in the United States. It, and it's driven a lot nowadays. And, and Jews don't talk enough about this. I'm a Jew myself. And we've sadly supported the wrong people along the way. It's coming from the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these leftist organizations that have relied heavily on identity politics. And the news is adopting that methodology, knowing that that's who they're catering to. They're getting engagement by being inflammatory. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of money also is driving it. It's it's a combination of all those things, which just leads, because again, it's been going on for decades. When you see the narrative in the 70s is around when it happened, shift from Israel being the oppressed to the oppressor. The left completely abandoned them since then. Uh and it's just been a downward spiral that's continued on and on and on where they've uh, they've just continued vilifying and demonizing just entirely based on Israel's the oppressor, Israel's the oppressor, Israel's the oppressor. And so long as they do that, there's no accountability for Hamas, terrorists, anyone. 
to do uh, anything. We're talking with uh, Ilan Shulovitz, uh, Ilan Shulovitz, who's uh, again an actor, CEO, filmmaker. Um, you know, one of the questions I was bouncing back and forth with one of your team and talking about this interview, and they said, you know, be sure to ask about why Americans need to be vigilant. And let me sharpen the the question a little bit. Hamas. And and is not you know it's not a name of a, a sort of club like the JCs or Kiwanis. It's uh, you know for Americans sometimes I think we're sort of numb or dumb uh, to the truth of what's going on. Why, why do Americans need to be vigilant? Why is it so important to understand this threat that Hamas is it, it poses? Look, I understand Americans' desire to see everything kept in-house. You know what I mean? To see us focus on everything going on here first. The reality is, though, that Hamas is not an organization that is secluded to just Israel, and that it's not just Israel's problem. There is an ideology in the world that is spreading, that is extremist in nature. They don't... The, the notion that they hate us because they hate Israel is false. They hate Israel because they hate us. They hate secular way of life. They hate Westerns, Westerners way of life. They hate freedom. They hate that they do not have, we do not have Sharia law and that we have independence here. They want to destroy us. That is the same as ISIS, the same as Hamas, the same as Al Qaeda, the same as Boko Haram. It's why you see mass slaughterings for the past century from extremist ideologies. It's not isolated right now in Congo and Sudan. There are villages being wiped out by extremist jihadis. You see it in Yemen. You see Sunni Shia violence escalating. These are not ideologies that are limited to just Israel. They're coming to our door. We've become very naive. We've forgotten 9-11. And it's very, very troubling to see just how insulated Americans really believe we are. We're not. Our borders are insecure. People are coming in at high rates. And so this ideology is spreading. It's spreading to the United States. It's spreading to Europe. And Israel is probably the biggest chance to stop it because it's right there in the Middle East. And it's our essentially our only ally in the region. If we lose that, I mean, it's very, very troubling. Uh, well, it, it seemed like with uh, with um, with uh, President Trump, there was a growing uh, sense that some of the traditional enemies or at least rivals uh, in the Middle East were uh, willing to be play nice yeah. with each other. Right. They were willing to to be uh, to stand down a bit, especially vis-a-vis Israel. And it seems like that was something those of us that supported Trump thought, well, this is a huge success. It, was that a reality? Is that all gone now? Are we seeing I- some of those? players holding back a little bit in terms i well, know Iran's not but i mean are the others at least staying out a little bit i think the abraham accords i think this entire october 7 massacre was driven by by saudi arabia almost making a deal with israel and so iran needed hamas to attack now they've been planning it for for years in the hopes of stopping the abraham accords from moving forward more um, which is something that people aren't talking about uh it's one of the most significant steps forward what what they did there, Trump uh, did to essentially uh, limit extremism in the region. It would have it would have disempowered Hamas. It would have disempowered Iran. And now, of course, this put a halt to it. But it also those same countries still do see a foreseeable future aligned or at least having peace with Israel uh, because their best interest is still to make Iran a less powerful state. Uh, and so you do see. Especially, I think, behind closed doors, I'm sure Israel's still getting tremendous support from those Middle Eastern countries in terms of just keep doing what you're doing. We need you to because they don't want Hamas in their countries either, by the way. That's why the entire Arab world is is not opening their arms to Palestinians right now. There's so much extremism embedded in that region that they just can't afford to. 
Mm. Uh, again, our, our guest is uh, Iran Sularitz, and uh, um, he is uh, uh, CEO. He got you might have seen him on Tucker. I looked it up. It was a couple of years ago now, where he received an award. There, he's he built a, a business uh, in honor of his father. Uh, got a lot of attention, but now here commenting, especially on what's going on throughout the world. One also a successful actor, and and gets uh, has navigated that. Which is my last question: How do, how do you survive Hollywood? I mean, you're well known for being uh, more concerned. Not necessarily. I don't know if you're conservative on a bunch of issues, but uh, um, can you can you is it as hard as it seems to navigate Hollywood? Yeah, of course. I've lost many jobs. I mean, in the end of the day, I always say this. I got into acting and all the things that I do because I like expressing myself, artistic expression. If if I'm going to be in an industry that forces the opposite, which is self-censorship, then it's not worth it to begin with. Right. Um, and so I've just always been vocal. And of course, it's cost me many jobs. But I think now the world's shifting. You're starting to see groups like you know, all these different, these different platforms that they're starting to make, including Salem, Daily Wire, Angel Studios, they're all making movies now. Um, and I think that's really important because it gives people like me an opportunity to keep going, even though we're going to be completely banned from the mainstream. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Well, listen, thank you for coming on with us. Uh, where can people go to learn more? I mean, I, I hope you're planning on writing a book. I mean, you're, or maybe uh, finding other ways. Where can they go to learn more about what you've been talking about and support your work? Well, everything's on, uh, you know, all the, we put a lot of videos up oddly on my watch company's website, Edgard watches, E G A R D watches.com. We have a lot of videos about American values there and, uh, we're going to push the podcast there more. So that's a great place to follow us. Great. We'll make sure to do it. And, uh, I'll put that up on our social media folks. And, uh, uh, thank you very much, sir. Thanks for the time. Thanks for being out there as a voice and, uh, not always easy as you mentioned in terms of your own career. So we appreciate you, uh, doing it and speaking with us. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. Um, very good. Uh, again, I'll, I'm glad I asked him at the end there. I'll make sure I get that website. It's not in my notes. It will be for his company that he started uh, such a success. So we will take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com and sign up there for my writings. And also visit com where you can see all the writings of our great organization, including John Schlafly's weekly column. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report getting an early look, an early conversation about this week's Schlafly Report. John and Andy Schlafly write a weekly column each Tuesday evening. It posts over at townhall.com and then it's distributed around the country and across the internets all over the world. Uh, Also archived at phyllisschlafly.com. And uh, I have to say, all kidding aside now, it's been years of a weekly column. There's a real body of work there. And you can see Andy and John Schlafly, their writings there. You should check it out. This week's column, the topic is uh, Donald Trump. The polling shows that Donald Trump is performing better uh, with voters of, of various groups. Some some of the polling shows young people who are uh, dis, uh, dis, uh, disheartened at how Joe Biden is managing international affairs are taking a look at Donald Trump. There's been some polling African-American men uh, who have been saying that they're, uh, they, they appro- appreciate uh, Trump more. One area, though, is Michigan. There are only a handful. It's really more like eight or nine, so more than a handful, a handful and a half of states that sort of could be in play. Uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, maybe Georgia. 
Although I think Georgia will be red this uh, cycle. I think that was all a bit overblown, but we'll see. And one of them is Michigan. And John and Andy Schlafly have taken a look at how in Michigan, Donald Trump is doing better for lots of reasons, economic, uh, perhaps some of the uh, social issues. So welcome back, John. Um, first of all, a year out from the election, uh, maybe less 11 months, 10 months. Do you believe it? These polling is polling. Well, events can always happen, Ed. They always do. And there could be, and you point to the volcano eruption in Iceland as an unexpected, you know, they speak of a black swan, something that is unexpected that, you know, changes the narrative. So that can always happen. They also talk about an October surprise. Uh, but the, what we've seen with the presidential race has been building and consolidating all year, really. I mean, this is not just a fluke. This is not just, this didn't just happen. Poll after poll after poll has shown Trump consolidating his support, not only in the Republican Party, but in nationally. And each poll that comes out shows him with an even better uh, performance against Biden next year. So, you know, I think this is real. Uh, and, uh, turn, turning to Michigan, um, you know, Michigan has a major uh, a Muslim population, right, historically because of Detroit. Uh, they obviously have a, a car uh, electric vehicle problem that that economic supposed to be a boom hasn't happened. What are you what are you and Andy seeing and what do you think is a, a possible possible results here? Well, it's a combination of factors. Uh, certainly the uh, collapse of the based auto industry that went big into electric cars and people are not buying them. Uh, it's as simple as that. Uh, you say Muslim, actually, I think it's more accurate to say people from the Middle East, from Lebanon, from Palestine, from Iraq, and they're not Muslim, They're not all Muslims. Not even half of them are Muslims. Mm. Ma many of them are Christians. But, um, you know, regardless of their of their religion, they're not happy with uh, what's happening over there. I mean, who could be? It's horrible. And Biden is just simply not handling it well. And they blame Biden, just as they blame Biden for uh, economic situation and the uh, in inflation and everything else. People tell pollsters that they don't believe that the current administration has been good for them economically. And that's feeling is deadly when it's time to vote. So, John, the front page of the Wall Street Journal this morning, as I was getting ready for this interview with you, they're saying that uh, one of the columnists, I don't, I don't know if it's Holman Jenkins or someone said that, you know, year in review and the, one of the great winners is the economy is better than people think and blah, blah, blah. That's not how people feel, right? I mean, I, I, I've never seen even so-called conservative sites and sources saying the economy is okay when nobody feels that way. Well, it is uh, a little odd to explain. And if, if, you're, invest, if you're an investor, uh, stock market has been great. But, uh, of course, that's doesn't um, – that's a fraction of America, and many of those people, many of the people who've done the best in the stock market are Democrats, and they're supporting Biden. So that's an odd thing. 
uh, how they how what how much there's been a reversal in terms of who the Republican base is and the Democrat base is. So, uh, but you're right. What you know, you can say what you like in your own life, but pollsters report that the average person who are po- people who are polled say they're unhappy with the economy. They don't feel good about it. Uh, they don't feel that uh, Biden has uh, responded to their concerns. They feel they feel inflation, even though the numbers have come down somewhat. Gas prices have come down somewhat, although not as back as where they were under Trump. And But, you know, you can't argue with people's attitudes. Pollsters are measuring how people feel, and they're telling us how people feel. And that has become a reality. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly and John and Andy Schlafly write the weekly column over at uh, phyllisschlafly.com, the Schlafly Report. Uh, this week's column is uh, focused in on Michigan uh, and what some of the polling uh, shows there. Uh, I guess, John, you know, I, I, I see and uh, I see what you see. I wonder if um, if at the end of the day, um, people go back to their sort of camps um, you know, like, for example, I think the Teamsters might have endorsed Teamsters Union endorsed uh, Joe Biden in 2020, um, having benefited a lot from, I think, Trump's policies, especially vis-a-vis China. Um, and I, I, people will say, well, it's up for grabs. I think a lot of rank and file union members voted for Trump. Doesn't matter what the union says, but the union money went behind Trump and the union organizing went, excuse me, behind Biden, went behind Biden. I, again, are, are we going to end up well, in uh, good? Sorry. Well, Bed, I'm not sure if you said Teamsters or teachers because they're not the same. And uh, t- teachers are going to go with Biden no matter what. I mean, that's a reality. But Teamsters are, are that's different. And uh, you know, uh, Teamsters are probably you know at least half Republican. They're going to go with Trump on the whole. Uh, auto workers. Well, we saw that how the uh, United Auto Workers. Uh, went out on strike and Biden went up to Michigan to walk the picket line. But that's not really, you know, I don't think that the leftist Marxist who runs the United Auto Workers is going to be del- is going to be able to deliver his membership. And and don't forget that the majority of cars that are sold in America now are not made by United Auto Workers. And so you've got another whole set of manufacturing and labor people who lean Republican. And um, so people talk about unions. Unions are not what they used to be by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Even though the national offices may still give some money to the Democrats, but that's not delivering the votes. Is that, John, is that at the heart of the, uh, is that the heart of these numbers? I mean, is that who's moving in Michigan, you think? Um. It's a combination. Uh, uh, the, the manufacturing is certainly something, and I don't know this shocking news that just came out about how United States Steel, which used to be the backbone of America, along with General Motors, is being sold to Japan. Uh, and uh, a U.S. Steel-owned steel factory uh sort of in my neck of the woods in Granite City, Illinois, is shutting down. You know, that factory reopened to great fanfare under Donald Trump, thanks to Trump's tariffs on steel. 
But that's, you know, they're not uh, now, they don't have the benefit of that anymore, and the factory is closing. So, you know, there's these things do resonate. Uh, that's, you might say, an example of trickle down in a bad way. Mm -hmm. uh, but there you have it. And yeah. people are seeing what's happening and they don't like it. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, I think it's an excellent um, uh, to, to get into the to look at these at these questions a little closer like you are in Michigan. John Schlafly, Andy Schlafly, they write the weekly Schlafly report available over at townhall.com uh, on Tuesdays live and then uh, archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Well worth a read. Thank you, John. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. And we will be back in a moment. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro Nerf Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Judge Tanya Chutkin's job is to be an impartial mediator in the spurious campaign to destroy Donald Trump. Yet in court, the judge spoke like a CNN political host, taking umbrage at the use of the word censorship by Trump's attorney, despite how the order that she placed on Trump is precisely that, a gag order. At one point, the judge reportedly leaned back in her chair and shook her head while Trump's attorney, John Lauro, was speaking. When Lauro stated that President Trump firmly believes that these proceedings are brought by a politically motivated prosecutor, the judge demanded that Lauro tone down his language, as delightfully recounted by CNN later that day. There was no jury present, and thus no justification for muzzling an attorney as he argued for his client. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene schooled the judge afterward about the double standard imposed. Judge Chutkin said the case isn't about the court of public opinion, yet she allows the media to sit in her courtroom, the very people who craft public opinion through their headlines and stories, Representative Greene pointed out. Courtrooms in D.C. have become pockets of tyranny where judges seem to care more about the media, as when Judge Royce Lamberth lashed out at Tucker Carlson in a hearing about one of the over-prosecuted January 6 cases. Judge Chutkin infringed not only on Trump's First Amendment right to speak out, but also on the First Amendment right of every American to hear Trump's rebuttal of media reporting about his case. Judge Chutkin ignores the clear constitutional rights of we the people to learn Trump's responses to the media's negative spin about this politically motivated prosecution. Judge Chutkin declared at one hearing that this trial will not yield to the election cycle and we will not revisit the trial date. With her impertinent comments, the judge has amply demonstrated why she is a poor fit to preside over Trump's case. The D.C. Circuit urgently requires severe reforms, or it will bring down the reputation of all federal courts even more than it already has. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the best way to rekindle the spirit of Phyllis Schlafly and the grassroots movement she energized? In this digital age, patriots and pro-family Americans can find insight and inspiration on our website, phyllisschlafly.com. Then, share your own heart and mind on social media. 
So join us at phyllisschlafly.com and every weekday for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Heights stepping in here real quick for Mr. Ed Martin. Going to finish out the show for us. And what a show it was. Very good one today. A couple of great interviews. Good what you need to know. And a lot of good in between. And I am glad to be here to wrap it up. But before we do, let me remind you one final time. Head over to ProAmericaReport.com. There you can subscribe to Ed's Substack. Keep up with what he is writing about. A lot of it coincides with what we do here on the Pro-America Report. Also, you can go over to PhyllisSchlafly.com. You can there sign up for the all-important Wink email. The what-you-need-to-know email every morning, weekday morning, comes into your inbox. A few links, a few things you need to know about. And that is what brings us to our wrap-up here today. There are two different things that I wanted to bring to your attention, one of which you probably have heard about. It's become a cultural thing at this point. Uh, the other one, I think, is something actually even more important. Well, arguably more important, but something that is more uh, pernicious because it is still in its secret stages for most Americans. They don't understand or fully realize the uh, ex- the extent of what is going on, and I think we need to understand that. So uh, let's dive on into it. And then again, go over to ProAmericaReport.com, sign up for Ed Substack, and go to PhyllisSchlafly.com, and you can get this podcast after the fact. Send it to a friend. See what they think. Uh, start the conversation. I think it'll be good. But here are a couple things that's going on. First of all, you may have seen by now that a judge has ordered, Judge Loretta Preska has ordered unsealed in full, quote, unsealed in full, the names of almost 200 John and Jane Doe's unnamed individuals in the Jeffrey Epstein files. Known associates, recruiters, friends, uh, even victims. There are some that are going to be kept sealed, but almost 200 will be unsealed and made public. Supposedly, (laughs) supposedly on January 1st. Now, of course, it probably will be January 2nd, January 1st being a holiday. But that is what this court order uh, is saying. And of course, this is related to a a defamation case brought by... By uh, Virginia Roberts uh, Goufrey. I, I pardon me for not knowing the name, the pronunciation. I realize I haven't uh, double checked that ahead of time. I've only ever read it. But uh, she was one of the accusers of Prince Andrew, member of the royal family, and her defamation case um, is uh, her uh, her defamation case. I'm sorry against uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, who is in prison currently, serving 20 years. Uh, his uh, Epstein's former girlfriend, who was sentenced to 20 years for uh, sex crimes for uh, aiding him, trafficking for him. Uh, this uh, young woman uh, accused her, accused Jeffrey Epstein, accused Prince Andrew himself of uh, abusing her, taking advantage of her, of all kinds of things, and she has pursued legal action against them, even if it's just defamation. And as a result of her tenacity against this system that has buried itself beneath so many layers of bureaucracy, here comes what may be a major reveal. I tell you what, um, the only commentary, you may have heard this, Here's what I have to say. The only commentary I can imagine is that um, I will actually be surprised. I think you and I both will actually be surprised if these files see the light of day, because you and I know that that little black book uh, from Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, that thing must be full of powerful, famous and influential people, some of whom the secret of their involvement with Jeffrey Epstein and all of the illicit things that happened around that man uh, who didn't kill himself, <laughs> the, all the things that happened around him, their secrets are so thinly veiled. Um, you almost have to wonder if they were named uh, someone famous, like uh, I don't know, Bill Clinton, for, for whom the questions have floated for years. If he was really named in an actual court document that came out 
out finally now after all this time. Do you think it would really make a difference? I, I don't know. I wonder. You, you let us know. What do you think about this? Is this going to actually happen? Are these almost 200 associates of Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, are they going to be named? Is it actually going to come out? Are we going to get the Epstein files? We know that they exist, and we know that people have them. Uh, and we know that actually if you get out there on the internet, some people claim, and, and I'm not sure if it's in its entirety accurate, they're already there, but uh, we'll see. That's a, that's a big thing that happened. I think that that's going to have, this is my point, it'll have some major, major ramifications. If that stuff ever does get out to the light of day in a very public way, that's going to have some huge ramifications against the administrative state because you know there are powerful people there. But here, here's the other thing, the main thing I wanted to tell you, which won't take very long, but I think it's incredibly important to understand. It is always bizarre to me when the climate uh, climate catastrophe people, the environmentalist people, the big uh, climate crisis folks, always talk about America this, America that, America this, and no one talks about China, who dumps pollution into the atmosphere, into their ecosystem. China, who runs sweatshops and has zero regard for human rights or dignity, that has taken advantage of their workers for years, and that absolutely takes complete advantage of and pollutes our uh, our world, our earthly uh, ecosystem, these folks never get on the radar of the radical environmentalists. And you got to wonder why, because you know that they're the bad guys in this. But sure enough, here we go. Steve Malloy, there's a good guy you should follow on Twitter, Steve Malloy, at Junk Science. He posts up an interesting Fox article, Communist China has been caught red-handed. They are fueling environmentalists here in America with a U.S.-based front group. Uh, called the Energy Foundation, U.S. Energy Foundation. They are using that group to launder money to U.S. green groups and environmental groups to promote a, a ban on coal, gas stoves, other all the climate lunacy, the things that we hear. They are pushing for all of these things. In fact, directors of this communist front group here in the U.S., U.S. Energy Foundation, include Biden's climate czar, Gina McCarthy. And do you know why? You know why this all pushes us more toward dependence on China? It pushes us more toward foreign dependence when we hamstring ourselves as a result, not of conservation and being wise about our climate and about our uh, our uh, wildlife and our ecosystem and the world that we are given to steward. But when we go hog wild on ridiculous green things that are not renewable, not sustainable, and will absolutely destroy uh, what we've got going and, and make us dependent upon communist China. It is absolutely incredible. I'll, I'll post a link to social media. It'll be in the show notes. Go over to phyllislafley.com. Find the notes there. You won't want to miss this one. China is fronting U.S. environmental groups with money. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Uh, so there you go. That's the wrap-up. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks for being with us, and we will see you back here. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. Keep up with the writing, and we will see you back here tomorrow on another edition of the Pro America Report. Have a wonderful night, everybody. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.